Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Baggies broadcast. It's season five, it's episode ten. Uh, my name is Luke Hatfield, I'm joined on the Baggies broadcast, sponsored by Adoption at Heart, I always forget to mention that, by a man who is delighted, absolutely delighted to be recording on a Monday, Mr Joe Massey. So you've tried to think of something to say and then you've just gone with what I've put on Twitter anyway. Exactly that. Exactly that. As always, top-notch planning from Mr. Luke Hatfield. It's been a quiet weekend. It has been. I mean, it's been a quiet week, hasn't it? Let's be honest. It's been quiet ever since the Stoke game. Not a lot has happened. Yeah. Um, I feel like this is proper. This is like this is probably like the, one of the worst international breaks we've ever had. It is so <laughs> quiet. Like literally, nothing is happening. The only thing anyone wants to know is what's Alex Moritz injury extent. Well, we don't know. Um, like so starting this podcast we're we're selling this podcast well the amount of listeners who will have turned off after that that's all you need to know that's the big question everyone wants to know we don't know the answer Um, so yeah yeah it's so quiet it's been a big week if you're a Newcastle fan but Albion less so yeah yeah, don't quite see the link but yeah yeah massive week if you're a Newcastle fan Uh, very very quiet um if you're an Albion fan, but I'm sure we'll still talk for an hour. We'll get there, won't we? We'll manage it. We'll manage it. We always um, do. We always talk for an hour. We always talk for an hour. Um, slightly harder when Albion, of course, haven't played. Um, but there's been Albion players in action. Oh, is this the is this the path we're going down? It is because let's be honest. What is there to talk about other than international football? You love England. You love following England. I do. If I was you, mate, I'd have gone straight to questions. I, I was thinking of doing a mailbag episode, but I thought, when you get about eight or nine questions asking about Alex Moet's foot, <laughs> and then another eight or nine of ask, asking about Sam Johnson and whether he's going to be sticking around this summer. Yeah. It's, it's suddenly that mailbag has gone from, oh, heaps of questions to about four. Um, we, we've actually got more than four. We will get to questions. Is this going to be a half an hour podding? Absolutely not. No way. We'll find, whether it's food, no. whether it's... Uh, random musings, anything we'll find out. We'll, we'll make it an hour, mate. Don't worry. Um, someone who got more than an hour on the pitch, though, Sam Johnston started for England. That's not bad. It's very good. Um, it's three games now he started. So, three, three games, zero goals, one assist. Um, very, very impressive. Um, doing well, isn't it? It's, it's interesting. I mean, if we're going to talk about Sam Johnston, we can talk about his England, England situation if you want. But very, very interesting that he is now. Number two, as it stands, mm. I think, because we had sort of rumours in the summer. There were sort of stories came out. Um, spoke to other people as well, where basically he he became England's number two. Um, because he's the, that bloody good. Because well, yeah, and also is that I think I think just the way he carries himself, obviously, round the place. He's very he, he's he's a charming lad, isn't he? He's, and he's and he's very very professional. He's never going to cause any problems. Um, so I think Dean Henderson put did Dean Henderson pull out of the Euros in, in the end? I can't remember. He had injury issues, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. But from what we understand is that basically Sam Johnson has gone from strength to strength uh, ever since he's been in, in the England fold. He's, he became number two goalkeeper over the summer. The big, the, the big question was how was going to play in the championship affect him really? Um, and would he fall further down the pecking order? Aaron Ramsdale's done very, very well for Arsenal since he's gone there. £30 million move. I mean, it's a hell of a lot of money. Um, 
Sam Johnson knows in his heart of hearts he can't he can't really expect to have any chance really of playing for England um, at the World Cup if he's playing in the Championship next season. Mm. So you you wondered where when Ramsdale would Ramsdale's got to be looking to absurd like is that absurd is that the word absurd? usurp usurp that's the word um, but for, but as a big vote of confidence I thought from Sam Johnston so we know Jordan Pickford didn't play against Andorra he will play against Hungary tomorrow um, but Benitez asked him to be rested while he comes back from injury but it was very very reassuring to see Sam Johnston get the nod um, to play despite the fact he is a championship goalkeeper as it stands. Um, and obviously he's done very, very well. Never conceded a goal. And I think everyone's seen the assist multiple, multiple times. Everyone was absolutely overjoyed for him. Yeah, I don't know how you throw a football that far. A, in general. But B, without like dislocating your shoulder. I don't know if I've seen him do it that many times for Albion. I know he's capable of doing it. Obviously, we, we know he's capable of doing it. He did it. Um... But he, when Sam Johnson normally throws the ball, he has a bit of a weird, I say weird, it's still effective, a weird throwing technique. He almost throws it like you'd throw like a basketball. Like he yeah, kind of holds it up mean. and just chucks it down. Yeah, Whereas that was mean, like a yeah. full-on goalkeeper throw. That was it's like something out of a video game. I've never... Have you ever stood on a football pitch and tried to throw a football as far as you can? I don't think... I probably have at some stage, but I can't really remember. Not for a very long time. Can you imagine standing at the... In the penalty area and trying to throw it, and it doesn't bounce until after the halfway line. I think I have seen him do it for Albion, but I reckon less than three times. I could say I reckon it wouldn't surprise me if I've only seen him do it once. What a weapon, though! I mean, it was bang on target as well. Yeah, he should do it more. He really should do it more. I mean, it might it might work out pretty well. I mean, it worked. It worked I mean, admittedly, it's Andorra. Yeah, Gonna be that's... honest with you, I'm, I'm imagining the person who was trying to mark Jack Grealish may have been a plumber or something. I'm getting a bit annoyed by the Andorra hype, if I'm honest. Like there's hype around Andorra. Well, no, the hype around England after that game. But everyone knows I love England. I'm super excited. I love Southgate. But everyone's going mental for Phil Foden's performance. And don't get me wrong, he was brilliant, but he was brilliant against Andorra. They're part-time footballers. And I was listening to Talk Sport earlier. I'm on a 12-8 shift today, so I was on. I was listening. To, I was driving this morning, and I was listening to Talk Sport, and they were saying, "You can't just say it's only Andorra because you've got you've got to beat what's in front of you. You've still got to do it." Gabby Agbonlahor. I mean, what is he doing as a pundit? It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and yeah, he kind of comes out with, "Yeah, you've got to beat what you've got." You, You've still got to do it. You've still got to do it against Andorra. And I'm like, come on. Like, we can't be... Like, I'm really excited to see Phil Foden in that role in the future. Of course I am. But I'm not going to get carried away because he's done it against Andorra. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. No, it's like... Imagine Albion played um, a team in non-league. Well, they did and... lose to Woking once. Yeah, okay. okay. It, don't get me wrong, you can lose in games. But say... Um, I don't know, Kevin Castro has an absolute worldy performance against a non-league team. You're not going to go absolutely bonkers and say, OK, he needs to be starting week in, week out in the Championship. No. Well, it's one good performance against a team who aren't particularly great. Um, but, I mean, you do have to play what's in front of you, but I, I do believe, you. I, I, I side with you, you shouldn't be hyping a team up or particular players 
just because they've done it against Andorra. Hungary will be a much different task, won't it? Yeah, yeah. So what we're talking about, Sam Johnston, and the question with Sam Johnston everyone wants to know is is, is about his future, isn't it? Mm. So that's only gonna that's only gonna increase speculation about his future. We saw over the weekend well, yeah, immediately follow I don't know if it was immediately following that game. It probably was immediately following that game yesterday on Sunday. Stories come out saying Southampton have joined the race to sign him. I'm following those up today, see if I can get anything more concrete on that. But what what look, it's probably true, isn't it? It's probably true. Sam Johnson is gonna have multiple, multiple suits. He's getting better and better and better. There was like a really interesting piece Steve Maley did in the Athletic about how his like roles changed this season and how he, I think he's made like three times the amount of sweeper keeper mo- like clearances this season. Obviously he's winning more headers and stuff and he's becoming the he's he's basically having to become the complete keeper under Ishmael because his shot stopping's there. We know all about that. He's great at shot stopping. He's his kicking's good, but he's he's having to read the game now and play behind this like really high line and sweep up as well as he possibly can. So that's only gonna sort of make him more well rounded, you would say. It's only gonna enhance his skill set as he gets he gets better and better at that side of his game. So he's gonna be a man in demand, of course. He has the interesting question is, and look, I don't think anyone knows the answer to this. I don't think Sam will know it. I don't think his agent will know it is what happens in January. Do Albion keep him or do Albion sell him or does he sign a new deal? Mm. I've said a million times, I just cannot see him. This is with no inside knowledge, uh, literally zero. But I just cannot... If Sam Johnson had put... I absolutely would love Sam Johnson to stay at Albion. All I want is to see Albion do well. If Sam Johnson appointed me to be his advisor tomorrow, I wouldn't tell him to sign a deal at Albion. Because I don't, I don't see how he can. I don't see how, at this moment in time, he can sign that deal. Mm. And the, the, dreams, he, the dream scenario is he waits till the summer, Albion go up. He knows he's going to be Albion's number one in the Premier League next season, and then he signs. Yeah. Because that would be great. He needs to be a Premier League footballer next season. He's done so well with England. He can't just stay in the Championship now. He cannot. He has to go to the World Cup next year. He has to go. He has to give. Well, he has to give himself every opportunity to get to that World Cup. And if he starts next season as a Championship goalkeeper, which fingers crossed, Albion are going to go up, and that sort of takes that massive side of that transfer scenario away, doesn't it? Mm. But he he knows he has to be in August. He has to be playing Premier League football. He knows that. So I don't see why, if you were Sam Johnson, you would sign a deal with Albion. Because as much as things are going really well, as much as they've made an unbeaten start to the season before the Stoke game, record breakers, as much as they really look on course to seriously challenge for a like promotion this season, you can't guarantee it. You cannot guarantee they're going to go up. Mm. So I just don't know why, why you would sign. I can give you one hypothetical of why you would sign if you were Sam Johnston. Go on. Say he's on X he's on X amount a week at the moment at Albion. And Albion obviously want to protect the value that they've got in him. So you offer him a deal where he gets an increase in wages each week. So he's getting an increase. So that's where he benefits. You also agree a, a release clause between all parties. Him, his agent, the club, say, look, there'll be a release clause in there which can be activated this summer if we don't go up. And you leave for an amount of money which isn't over over the top, nor is it ridiculously low. 
So at least Albion gets some sort of protection in the summer if they don't go up and cool. he would he would leave. But why? I still don't understand why Sam would agree to that. He gets more money until that point, and but, a signing on fee. But he could be. But he still could be pricing himself out of a move. Florida's clause is ten million. Regardless yeah. what happens at the end of the season, someone is paying ten million for him. But no one paid ten million this summer. Because who paid... needed a goalkeeper? Who, who who needs one next summer? Spurs, maybe. Maybe. Southampton, maybe. Maybe. But you don't if, know, do if you? Ne- if none of them need a goalkeeper, why would they sign him up in the first place? Even if he's available on a free. Because when you're available on a free, you're suddenly a much more attractive proposition. Yeah, I, I, I'm not so sure. I mean, there's a number of teams that could move Sam Johnson in the summer. I just named two there, and those are just because they've both been linked recently. But you could argue most teams in the Premier League... Barring a couple, they'd they'd see him as okay. He's an England goalkeeper. Like he's, if he plays regularly in the Premier League, there's no there's no stop, nothing stopping him being the starting goalkeeper, the number one. If and for I, ten million quid, I think it's a pretty safe bet. I don't get me wrong. Ten million quid is a safe bet, but if you're in Sam Johnston's head, if you were Sam, no one was willing to pay ten million pounds for Sam Johnston this summer. Mm. No one was. West Ham bid six. And no one went to the ten. And you don't... I'm sure Albion would have sold for ten. They'd have had to, really. I'm I'm sure they would have. Yeah. So, there's no guarantee he will go... Someone will come in for ten million next summer. There's just no guarantee. But there is an absolute guarantee. If he's a free agent, he's going to have Premier League clubs queuing up to sign him. And... They'll probably offer him a hefty signing on thing. Yeah. You've got to be realistic about it. If I was in Sam Johnson's head now, I'd be thinking this. I would be thinking, contract talks are off the table, really. I'm just going to play my football this season. I'm going to do the absolute best I can. And I will assess my options at the end of the season. Unless I get an absolutely monumental offer in January. Mm. That is, and I think that's, I think... That is, I think that's the human element of football. I think that is the, I think that would be the logical thing for me, as for for Sam Johnson as a human being, for Sam Johnson as a goalkeeper, for Sam Johnson to have the best career he could possibly have. I would. That's what I would think is the right thing to do. There's going to be fans who would be like, I just want him to sign for Albion. I just want him to sign for Albion. But I just think that's being a fan, really. Yeah, he's not an Albion fan at the end of the day. Well, no, and it's like it's just you got it's just and it's, it's just it's his, it's his career. It's his career. It's his career, and he's come too far for me. Like he's, I said it before, like I've I've always been a massive Sam Johnston fan. Always thought he was a really good goalkeeper. Always really really liked him. But the start of the season before the pre, before the Premier League in that summer, in between Albion going up and the Premier League season started, he sat down. I think it was with the Independent or a paper. He sat down with a, pen, a paper, a national paper, anyway, mm. and he and he said. My aim for the season is to get into the England squad. And as a Sam, and now I'm a massive England fan. I'm a Sam Johnston fan, but that raised my eyebrows. I was like, that's that's a that's a big target. Like that is a big target. We've got some good keepers. Like Pickford's nailed on as number one. Nick Pope's really good. Like we've got. It's a big ask to get into the England squad to be t- in that top three English goalkeepers. 
but he did it. Like he did it, mm. and he deserved it. He's like he absolutely deserved it. So I just think you've got a yeah. I just think he, he he's got to get, he's got to give himself the best opportunity to be at the World Cup, and he's and he's and to do that he's got to be in the Premier League. So I'd love him. I'd love, honestly like, I'd love him. I think the dream scenario is. Albion go up. Albion are in a position where they can really offer him a, a deal which would match what he's likely to earn in the Premier League. Because there's no doubt he'll be offered very good wages in the Premier League. Mm. And then you say, look, Sam, what we can guarantee you is you're playing every week. From now to the World Cup starts in whatever month it starts that season, you will be playing. No bar injury, obviously. Yeah. And then he'd have the assurances that he really would have the opportunity to impress Southgate and keep his place. Yeah, I just, I just think there's still a chance that the deal happens, but obviously, we'll have to wait and see. Where would you rank? Because we know in the championship, there's no one better than him. Let's be honest, he's the best goalkeeper in the championship, isn't he? I think we can agree on that. There's no goalkeeper in the championship I want more. Yeah, I mean it's hard because you don't watch. We don't watch all the goalkeepers, but I'd be amazed. There's there's not a better goalkeeper than Sam Johnson in the championship. No. I'm ninety nine percent sure of that. Where would you rank him in terms of Premier League goalkeepers? On sheer ability, so I think top four with current top four: Chelsea, Liverpool, City, United. Obviously, none of he, he doesn't get into any of them sides. I don't think. Not starting. Yeah, I mean, I'm still not convinced about Mendy, but everyone loves him, so it's, it's obviously something I'm not seeing that everyone else is. But I think Mendy's good. I don't. I just. I, I think he's good. So I don't think I don't think Johnson like walks into that eleven. No, no, definitely doesn't walk in. Like he definitely doesn't walk in. I'm obviously a little bit biased. I don't think he gets in ahead of Emmy Martinez. Well, he's he, yeah. I mean, he's been he's been fantastic, hasn't he? Hugo Lloris at Spurs. I'd probably put Hugo Lloris just above Sam Johnson. Yeah, but that's the that's the level we're talking, isn't it? Yeah, Casper Schmeichel for me. He's a good keeper, Casper Schmeichel. Good shot stopper. I, th- I think I think he's. I for me personally, he's on a similar level. And then I look at every other team, and I think, yeah, you could. He's probably better. He's so, probably better than Meslier. He's, he's better than oh, Nick Pope. Yeah. He's oh, be- yeah. Nick Pope is a good goal, though. Nick, Pope Nick Pope's good, but I, th- I mean, they're, they're one in the same for me. He's, Pope's probably similar to, to Schmeichel, in my view. Like, one in the same. I could understand why he'd start Pope over Johnston, if they're both in the same side. But equally, I could understand why he'd start Johnston over him. Yeah, they're battling it out, aren't they? But every other club, I think he walks into. So we're basically saying the keepers are better than him at Edison, Allison, De Gea, Mendy, Mendy, Schmeichel. Yeah, even Pickford, I'm like, Pickford plays so much better for England than he does for Everton. Yeah. So what? Yeah. But in a nutshell, he's basically got two thirds of the Premier League to pick from. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. isn't bad, is it? Really. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be moaning if I was in. No, 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 no! Amazing, yeah. Two thirds of the Premier League will probably want him on a free. Yeah, it's like Newcastle being an interesting option for him now. Oh yeah, for sure. The thing is, Newcastle always have good goalkeepers, but they're never bloody fit. Dubravka, like I'm sure he plays about eight games a season. Yeah, 
Newcastle have been interesting. I mean, obviously, Tottenham if Lloris goes. But Lloris is like, I mean, he is getting on now, isn't he? He Hugo is. I don't, I, don't, I don't, if you ask me to guess his age, I'd say 34. That's pure guess. Pure guess he's, for he's 34, exact, you're right. He is exactly 34. Um, right. I but thought like, he was older than 34. He's got years in the tank for me. Keepers can play to like 38, 39 fairly comfortably. Um, Lloris is he, he's a captain though, isn't he? He's out of contract in the summer. Mm. Um, it would it'd cost less in wages than Sam Johnson, that's for sure. Lloris? Oh, no, no. Johnston would cost less yeah, I was than say Lloris. Um, Sorry. Yeah, I mean he's gonna get a move, isn't he? He's gonna get. He's gonna get. There's absolutely no. Everyone can see that he is more than good enough to play for someone like a West Ham, Southampton, Newcastle, Leeds. West anyway. Ham would be an interesting option because yeah. Ariola's not really played for him. No, no. West Ham apparently is still in the hunt for him. I mean they're gonna and, they're, and obviously they bid six million before. I think David Moyes managed him at Preston. Yeah. Um. So he knows him. Yeah. It's an interesting situation, isn't it? I think we need to enjoy him while we can, to be honest. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Anything can happen. It's football. Yeah. Thinking of adoption? We have all the information you need at Adoption at Heart, your regional adoption agency for the Black Country. Adoption at Heart provides adoption services for the City of Wolverhampton Council, Walsall Council, Dudley Metropolitan Borough Council and Sandwell's Children's Trust and is encouraging those who are considering adoption to come forward and take the next step. The Black Country Agency is appealing for adopters who can give our children lots of individual time, understanding and ongoing support and are looking for re- to recruit adopters from within a diverse section of the community irrespective of gender, sexual orientation, disability, race or faith. To start your adoption journey or to find out more, why not book onto the next virtual information event? Visit www.adoptionatheart.org.uk to see the next available dates and to book your place or call 01902 553818. Callum Robinson, let's talk about him. Um, quite a performance for Ireland, admit. I mean, Ireland's qualification hopes I don't think look great. Um but Robinson looked good. Two goals. Yeah, I've not seen. I've seen the goals. I've not seen any. I've not seen his performance at all. Just seen the goals on on social media. But yeah, obviously, look, it was an interesting week for him, wasn't it? With all the vaccine stuff. Mm. Um, he did the little um, Mateus Pereira, Charlie Austin celebration when he scored his two goals. <laughs> um, I mean, look, I'm pleased for him. He's smashing lad, Callum Robinson. Absolutely smashing lad. If it was. Like one person you want to sit down and interview at Albion is probably Callum Robinson because he's very, very friendly, very, very chatty, um, gives you great stories. He's like, he's just like one of the lads, isn't he? He's like, you, you, I think everyone can see that in him. Like, he is, is sort of he do, his personality does sort of shine through, really. Yeah. Um, and his performance is it's sort of strange how that happens with some players and not others, but he's just got a, a likable way about him. So. Um, but yeah, doing the world, you're doing doing the world of good, wouldn't it? To get those two goals. I mean, look, he played off the right. Albion's last two games. Look, Stoke was a disaster, wasn't it? Really, let's be honest. I mean, no one played great. Yeah, that no evening. one, no one did well. Um, but the game before that, Cardiff, everyone played. Obviously, everyone played really, really well. Callum Robinson started that night on the right at the front three, which was. We I don't think we've really seen him there. 
Like, in my opinion, he was always going to be good enough to play anywhere across the front three, really, because he's a technical player that is so comfortable on the ball. But we've, he's played his best football on the left-hand side, there's no doubt about it, in his career, that is. Um, yeah. But obviously, Albion has sort of got abundance of players in that position. Carlin Grant has to play there at the minute because he's scoring goals. It is Grady Dean Garner's best position, as simple as that. Um, so... And, he, and you have to say that Grady probably isn't hasn't been as effective on the right as he has been on the left, whereas Callum went out to the right and he was just as good, really. Um, and he's, I, I mean, he is so important, I think. He's so important. Yeah. I think he's been underused. I, I think, I, to be honest, I think he's been underused by every manager that's had him at Albion, if we're being honest. Like, I yeah. think he, I think he always should be, he, he, he should, I mean, don't get me wrong, he's a first team regular, isn't he? But I think he probably should have more minutes under his belt with Albion. And, if they are going to keep the ball a bit better and if they are going to slow things down a little bit, play with a bit more composure, he's absolutely massive for that. He's, I mean, he's just he's just so important for that. So I thought really good performance at Cardiff. I think we're all, we're all writing off Stoke for everyone, aren't we? That was just a bad day at the office. Yeah. And then a huge confidence boost for him getting those goals for Republic of Ireland. And you'd expect him to cause Birmingham some real problems on Friday. That's it. It's exactly what Albion fans will want to see, you know, from a player on an international break as well. Um, because for me, probably the best finisher at the club. I can't think of a better finisher. If you if you were to drop a chance on a plate, for some, or not on a plate, but drop a, a chance to someone, I'd want it to fall to, to Callum. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Grant's yeah. in great form, yeah. but I think... Take form completely out of it. Any player, they've got a score and my house is on it. I'd probably give it to Callum. It's interesting, man, because look. It's interesting because if I said to you, if I, so you're saying Callum, but I'd still say to you, if I, I mean, I'm not a massive Charlie Austin fan, but I, I'd still want Charlie Austin on the end of a chance rather than anyone at Albion really at the minute. Yeah, but uh, he's not a club anymore. I know, I'm just saying, but it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's like, Callum is a very Callum is a good finisher and Carlin Grant's a good finisher, but you'd have to say that is they, they if you were making a list of their five biggest strengths, probably finishing wouldn't be in the top three for either of them, would it? Mm, I'd I'd put it in, in Callum Robinson's top three. Um I think I mean he's a good finisher. He's a good finisher, but he hasn't scored that many goals. Yeah, that's true. He's He's not really. I see where you're coming from because he's not really a fox in the box. I think when you look at like a striker like that, say say a Charlie Austin or obviously completely on another level, a Sergio Aguero or, or or even someone like a Danny Ings, you do think it, they're great finishers. They just pop up and they score goals. But I suppose you have a question: is like, do they do much else? I think it's like if you said to me. Talk to me about Callum Robinson at the start of the season. Any start of any season, I'd be like, he's a fantastic player. Links play really well, technically really good, got a great touch, vision's good, can drop deep, got a good shot on him, shoots all the time. <clears throat> if you told me you were playing 46 games in the championship with Callum Robinson, one, I'd be overjoyed because I think he's a brilliant player on the mm. right or left. And I would back him to get 10 goals a season, 10 to 12 goals a season. I'd I wouldn't... back him to get a few more than that. Ah, uh, see, so yeah, I. I think I just think what we're I think what my point I'm trying to make is I still think Albion need that finisher. Yeah. 
That's the one I'm. That's what I'm saying. Like a, as a central striker, I get what. Yeah, I understand yeah. where you're coming from because Callum's not. He likes to play off someone, doesn't he? Like off an angle, as opposed to straight down the middle. Yeah, he's yeah. I I think he's better off the left or the right than he is through the middle. I think he can do a job through the middle. I, I'm not. Wouldn't be against him playing there for Albin like this season or against Blues or anything because I think he will hold the ball up in terms of because his touch is so good. He's the type of person you could knock it up to. He'd he'd, he'd get it under control. He'd hold a defender off and he'd play it out wide left or wide right. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm a massive Callum Robinson fan. I really am. I think he's brilliant. But I, I just think. In terms of, I think we're, I think this squad is crying out for a finisher. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Someone, and then I know this name gets thrown up every. It seems like every January. Uh, someone like a Dwight Gale. Yeah, someone like a Dwight Gale. Yeah. Who? I mean, let's be honest. I know he's he's signed a new deal at Newcastle, but after the new owners come in, will he be wanted? The issue with Dwight Gale is going to be how much he's on. Yeah. He's just on such a substantial salary at Newcastle. Very much a Premier League salary. Very much a salary that's way beyond what any championship club I would could afford, I would imagine. I um, mean, they've just got, what is it, 320 billion? Is that yeah. what their owners are worth? Yeah, yeah. I can chip in 70%. Come on. Yeah, but they're not going to go from... They've got. A, there's going to be a gradual process in Newcastle, isn't it? Yeah, that's what they've said. They're not going to go from in, being in the relegation zone to qualifying for Europe. It's going to take two or three years to really. I mean, they're second bottom at the moment. That's what I mean. So it's going to. It's going to they're going to. They're not going to be just. Yeah, you know, wielding the axe if you like and getting rid of players left, right, and centre. They're going to have to gradually do it. So, and he's well, thirty-one one, now. The one thing I would say is, a new manager. Say a new manager comes in, and they don't fancy him. January could come around and he could say, look, I want to play football. And I'm just saying, there's, I feel that now there's more there's more likelihood that he would go somewhere in January than before. So he's, he's, actually, he's actually 32 on Sunday. Oh. Which is quite old, is that fair to say? For a striker, you, you, you probably... That's where you you you, I say over the peak. You're not expected to get any better. Yeah, I mean, with the money he's physically, on, I think probably Dwight get Dwight Gale though is sale, doesn't it? I think it's. It might be you know like that scene in Titanic where they just play the game of poker and just get the ticket and the boat's just about to leave. Yeah, I think they're at that point. So, so did they miss the boat? I can't remember. No, no, no. So they literally just hopped on right there. Oh, right. That's not it's, good. It's almost, That's not good. That's not where you want to be then, is it? It's just about setting off, but you could still... Ca- if you, It's like the bus has just pulled up at the... St- at the I don't think you should stop. be using the Titanic as an example, mate. I absolutely should not be. You're right. No, okay. I think... The bus has just got to a bus stop. Yeah. And if you really run for it, you can make it. But if you dally a little bit, it's going. Do you even know what you're saying anymore? I know exactly what I'm saying. Oh, good. I'm glad Listeners you won't. You won't, but I do. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, shall we get on to questions? Yeah, let's get on to questions. How did we get 
uh, 30 minutes of content. I don't know. I'm glad I was sitting there. Out of that. It says that content, but uh, I don't think it's any good. Oh, it's great. Got I'll tell you what, people, I think people will enjoy that chit-chat. Uh, first question comes from Mary Wilson. Do you feel that Callum or any other footballer should be asked if they have had the COVID vaccine as it deflects from football plus causes ill-feeling even among some of us baggies? My point of view is that someone should reveal it if they want to, but I would personally never ask that question of someone in, a, in, in, in that situation. Um, so... Mary Wilson, my favourite Baggies fan. I saw she'd ask this question, so I've been thinking. Normally, I don't have a chance to look at. I don't really look at the questions before they like we do record, but I have had a chance today, and so I got. I'm glad I did because I wanted to think about this answer, and it's difficult because I I don't I think I I think they shouldn't be asked. I think I think so. I'm saying that, but. I might be a complete hypocrite because I won't ask Ishmael if he's had the vaccine because mm-hmm. I do I don't think that is right but I might ask him for his reaction to the sort of the furore that's surrounded Callum Robinson but I might not I don't know I don't know how I feel I, about it I minute. think it's fair to ask about that but I would never directly ask someone whether they've had it or not so I think <laughs> I don't know if we talked about this on the last podcast. I think we did talk about it on the last podcast. So I really want to know. So all journalists, all, all journalists at, at these press conferences. So these press conferences are very, very different to what I, what Albion press conferences are like, where basically it's me, you, Joe Chapman, Steve Madeley and Rob Gurney from, the, yeah. um, from BBC Radio. I mean, it's literally like... And maybe a few of us here and there. Yeah, but it's, but the basic the, the vast majority of press conferences we go to, there's like four or five of us in the room, isn't there? Yeah. Um, it's 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 basically like a coffee. Like it's very very low key. Whereas when you get into the Premier League and obviously international football, they they completely change press conferences. It's one of the biggest things I get. I'm shocked by. Like it's a, it's generally amazing. We'll talk about it more in more detail maybe during another international break. But like press conferences in the Premier League to press conferences in the Championship are so different. It's untrue. Mm. When we're in when we're in the Championship, basically it's just us local guys turn up. God forbid you go to London, by the way. Um, yeah, London, yeah, London's a different ball game. But in the Premier League, you get basically a, you get you get they double, don't they? Press conferences double. If not triple, sometimes I mean they tripled sometimes. Yeah. Um, because there's so much interest in the Premier League, there's so much interest in in around the world, and it, gets, it generates so many clicks on websites that it completely changes. It's just it's unbelievable. I can't believe the difference in the championship. To the, I find it amazing that literally from one month to the next, it feels like the world wants to know about Albion, and then the next month they don't again. It's it. I find it staggering. But anyway, it is what mm-hmm. it is. Um. International press conferences will obviously be on the scale of a Premier League press conference. They'll be massive. There'll be twenty journalists there. You know, you know, you're going to be asked that question. Really, like, sorry, the media officer should know that question's coming. Now, I wonder if Callum Robinson was aware it was coming. By his aunt, I hope he was. He he was the first footballer, high-profile footballer, to really come out and say he hasn't had the vaccine. Mm. With, a, with the greatest respect to Callum Robinson, he's a high-profile footballer. But there, are, there are much, much higher-profile footballers. Much, much, a lot of footballers have a much bigger profile. So, 
loads of footballers have been asked that question and have not answered it or have been warned or the press office has stepped in and said we're not going we don't think it's fair so i i'd be surprised if callum robinson went out of his way to answer it but i'd imagine he's been asked and i'd imagine he's been caught on the back foot a little bit but but we don't know but we, i wasn't at a press conference i don't i don't know i don't know it could have been callum robinson's choice um i just i just i just got a feeling he was caught by surprise um because obviously he really did end up at the center of a, of a media storm really is the only way to say it isn't it like he he, he was everywhere he was trending on twitter you couldn't like turn, you couldn't go on any website without seeing Callum Robinson's face he was he was he was absolutely everywhere so look i mean if it was me if i was at that if i was a journalist just going to that press conference i wouldn't have asked it i think it is a personal choice in terms of anything medical is a person that you're you keep those things private it's things like Gareth Southgate said he doesn't know which England players have had the jabs and which one haven't because it's a medical issue. Mm. It's confidential. It's confidential, isn't it, between you and your GP? They're the only people. They're the only people who get to see your medical records, really. So it's like staff at clubs, managers at clubs don't know. The only the only person at Albion who knows which players have been jabbed and which players haven't been jabbed is the club doctor. Yeah. The media officer doesn't know. Valerian Ishmael doesn't know unless these people have told him, obviously. But you do not find out unless basically the people give you that information so i think so i do think that slightly it's a bit unfair to ask i think it's a, first and foremost absolutely players should be warned if if the questions come in um second what the reason why i don't think players should be asked is because i find it very uncomfortable that players have to be role models i don't i don't necessarily think it's fair i I know you get. I know you get. I know they're on. A, I know they've got a very, very public platform. I know they're idolised, but but to me, no one went. They they didn't go into it to become role models. Mm. They go into it because they love playing football, and I just don't. I've never seen a kid sat on a, on, in a street playing football going, <clears throat> "All I want to do when I grow up is be a role model." They don't say that. They say, "All I want to do when I grow up is play football." They just want to play football. It's a byproduct of it because they've got such a like large. Um, what's the word? Profile, stature, influence. They have to obviously have to be very, very careful and very, very wary of what they do and what they say. Mm. Um, but I think this is just too big an issue, really. I don't really understand. I think it's interesting that the story is coming out that like sort of forty percent, fifty percent of footballers are vaccinated. I think all that's very interesting, but I don't necessarily understand what Callum Robinson's why it matters what Callum Robinson thinks on it, or or why it matters if Callum Robinson's been vaccinated or not. To me, Callum Robinson's thoughts on COVID nineteen and the vaccine or whatever are uh, kind of irrelevant, really. So I don't, I don't really see. I don't think it is fair to ask him because I don't see why because he's a footballer he has to be asked. Like I don't. If there's a film premiere, actors get in, interviewed after big films don't they you see them sat in hotels and they just have a rotating journalist come in and asking questions mm. do actors get asked i don't know you know because i mean i'm pretty sure the majority of people listening to this podcast i might be wrong but people i know the majority have been asked by their employers whether or not they've been vaccinated in regards to returning to the office and working and being able to go back to normal working practices so it wouldn't surprise me, you know. 
Yeah, no, yeah, but they're but journalists aren't journalists don't employ. Them. True, I'm not. I'm not saying whether or not you know journalists should ask them. I I don't personally. I wouldn't ask the question. I don't think it's it's not really any of my business. Do I think people should be vaccinated? That's a different matter. But I think employers would probably be asking them. Yeah, I think empl- particularly when you've got. Let's be honest. I mean, professional footballers. They're day-to-day job they're speaking to a lot of other professional players uh, they're going in and out of training um places where you know if someone gets it and it doesn't show any symptoms it could be easily spread and and likewise with actors and stuff they're attending a lot of you know closed sets and they're they're going to premieres and stuff where potentially can can be spread yeah but the point i'm trying to make is that the only no one no but no one's going to ask them that information so it, no one's going to ask anyone. If if it, what am I trying to say? I mean, people get what I'm trying to say. It's only it's only relevant to people who get asked questions by the media. Yeah. You can't like if you go up to a postman in the street and say, "Have you been vaccinated?" I don't want you coming to my house. That's not. It doesn't happen. But even if you did, it was only it would only be you that knew the answer to it based yeah. on what the postman told. Me. What I'm trying to say is you won't get ostracised publicly for yeah, saying you haven't. What I'm saying is do. Who else gets press conferences? Other than sports people, who else have to sit and answer, answer questions from journalists? So it's not very many. It's pretty mm. much it's politicians, and it's sports people. Really, the only other one I can think of is like actors and actresses, and even then, it's very, very, very infrequent compared yeah. to like especially football managers who are literally up every twice a week, three times a week. And I suppose the argument would be for politicians, it's a fairer question to ask because those are the people implementing the rules. But whereas, like, Daniel Craig will have done absolutely loads of media to promote the Bond film. Good film, by the way. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. So on Saturday. What I'm asking is, would, would when he's doing his media for Bond, would a journalist have asked him if he's been vaccinated? I'm not sure they would have. Yeah, I don't... But why I would don't... you ask Callum Robinson? Oh, yeah, that's the thing. It, 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 the only reason that would come up is if it was spontaneous and it was brought up by the person you're interviewing first. So if they if 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 you were talking and then said because of COVID, um, I haven't been vaccinated yet, and then they continued their answer, then they've willingly pied with that information as opposed to you just flat out asking them, "Have you been double jabbed?" Yeah, but we know that the journalist went to that press conference for Callum Robinson with the intent of asking that question. Mm. Well, so, I'd have to listen. I'd have to listen to the press conference back to be well, sure of how, know, it, of how it of how that question was asked. Yeah, but we know a hundred percent that journalists are asking that question at football press conferences we know it's a question it's not been asked once like yeah it's been asked, it is being asked multiple multiple it's being asked every week pretty much and players are ultimately being protected by media officers which i think it, media officers sorry which i think is fair i think if i was a media officer i'd step in and say that's not for the player to answer because like england players are asked about it tammy abraham said he's had it and he admitted he said he's had the jab tomorrow he was asked and he said he didn't want to disclose the information and I think mm. that's the way most players are saying that they just don't want to get involved. And I think I think that's a very logical way to do it, is to just say I don't want to get involved. I don't think it's saying they haven't been jabbed. I don't think it's saying they have been. I think it's just saying I just don't don't want to disclose the information. It's a personal thing. Um, but yeah, it's a bit. It's a long-winded answer, but personally, I think they shouldn't. I don't. I don't see the difference. But I'm pretty confident. I mean, obviously, I don't know. But I'm pretty confident Daniel Craig won't have been asked that question. So I don't mm. see why Callum Robinson would have been. 
it's the same thing for me. They're in the entertainment industry. They're both doing what they set out to do. He dreamed of being an actor. Callum Robinson dreamed of being a footballer. But but for some reason, footballers have to be. They have to be. They always get this extra scrutiny. Mm-hmm. They, all, they have to be. Everyone says they have to be role models. They have to be role models. I just think it's a bit like. They have to grow up quick, footballers do. Yeah. That's what they have to do. They have to stop make they have to make the mistakes very, very early. Yeah. Because if they don't, then it's like Grealish getting smashed wherever he was abroad. Remember when he was a, a yeah, lot younger? Tenere. Like um <clears throat> You gotta do it early because otherwise you can't do it when you that happens to the average twenty five year old, doesn't it? If you went on to a like, I don't know, to like Ibiza, you'd probably see a 25-year-old bloke smashed somewhere on the, on the streets. But footballers can't do that. Like, in the, they just would, because they'd be on every front page of every newspaper. Yeah. Um. So I just think it's a bit... Comes with the territory of the job, unfortunately, Um, which is part of the reason. Well, but I yeah, know, I think I've come the to the conclusion they shouldn't be asked. Yeah, I wouldn't, I personally wouldn't ask the question. Um, But it's an interesting, it's an interesting topic of debate. Uh. Daniel Tudge, um, do you think Val is prepared to change tactically? Does he let players think for themselves? So I think he does let... Well, it's, it's a, it's Obviously, is he prepared to change tactically? It's, it's quite a... That would depend how you, what you mean by the word tactically, which is a very, very like big word, like very, very broad word. I mean, there's no doubt about it. They have changed tactically in terms of... They were a high-press team the first four or five games, and now they've become more bit more technical they're keeping the ball better <clears throat> mm. um so i have there's an amazing start of albion so if you um if you there's a website that does that common what it is off the top of it off, off the top of my head but if you look at albion's first eight games um if you pass the ball 10 times this website counts how many times you manage to pass the ball 10 times or more Okay, so if you do it, if you pass the ball ten times, it counts it as one. If you pass it, you get what I mean, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after eight games, Albion have managed to pass the ball ten ten times on three occasions in eight games. They'd only managed to do it three times. It's the analyst website you're on about. The analyst, website, yeah. So I mean, that's pretty staggering, really. I mean, they were yeah. and like they were miles off. The next team were like done it eleven times. It was it was considerably a big gap. After nine games, they'd done it nine times. Hmm. So I can't remember what the ninth game was. Um, let's work it out. So it was Stoke was the 11th. Blackburn was the 10th. QPR, was it? QPR. So we knew we knew before the QPR game there was going to be a bit of a change. So in the QPR game, just on in the QPR game, they passed the ball on 10 occasions six times. Mm. In the previous eight games, they'd done it three times. In the whole of those eight games. So... They doubled their tally in one game, basically, didn't they? They did it six times in one game, whereas in the previous eight, they did it three times. So, hmm. tactically, can he change? Absolutely, he can. Um, will he play a different formation? He absolutely won't. We know that. Um, it's going to be 3-4-3 three, three every week. Um, so, yeah. What, what? Read the question again. I can't remember what. Uh, and does he let the players think for themselves? Oh, right. So does let that, And that is the key, key, key thing. Right, so... That is a massive thing. So from what, like, they absolutely does let them think for themselves and they absolutely do talk about it. So this was interesting after the Stoke game was <clears throat> Jay Livermore felt in the game they were too high. Mm. 
they, they're playing with too high a line. He felt they probably needed to drop back a little bit. And he said that's something they're going to have to look at when they come up against a similar team. And he made it clear in his interview post-match that they will look at it as a group. He felt like that in that moment of time. He might, When he analyses the game, he might feel differently. Mm. But he said he wanted to, that was something he wanted to look at about whether that's something potentially they need to do in the future when coming up against the team that plays how Stoke plays. So absolutely, um, absolutely he'll let them take responsibility and absolutely they will be able to have their say about what they feel they need to do differently or what they need to do differently within games. He's not, he's not um, like the, the, the principles are Ishmael's and 90% of it is going to be his sort of fundamentals, if you like, but the players absolutely can say if they feel things aren't working or if they feel they need to do something slightly different within a game. Um, those play- The players will be able to have that say, especially people like Jake Livermore, Carl Bartley, um, <clears throat> probably Alex Mowat as well. Like he was... Ishmael's captain at Barnsley. If they feel like there's little tweaks that can help them, they will be able to say it. But obviously yeah. the, the ultimate decision will be with Ishmael. Mm. Uh, Baggy's Tom. Will Townsend go back to playing wing-back now? Clark is fit. Or is Ishmael going to be stubborn? I'd imagine he... I mean, it's, it, he doesn't walk into position, but I think he'd get in overreach for me. I think... I think... I, think I would be surprised if... Clark doesn't start against Blues. Said that last week. <clears throat> I've got to say, I think Adam Reach has done really, really well. With, with Adam Reach, let's be honest, he was signed as an understudy left wing back mm. for Connor Townsend. Now, as terms of understudy left wing backs go, I think he's the best we're going to get. I think he's been absolutely brilliant um, since he's come into the team. I think he's done really, really well. <clears throat> and he's put Connor Townsend under pressure. Like, there's no doubt about it. Like, he... Reach has shown he is good enough to play in this Albion team every week. He he's done really really well. Um, for me, Connor Townsend is the best crosser of the ball at the club. Um, I think he's tailor made for a wing back role. I just think he's such a good player. Um, so I think I personally think it'll be Clark back and Townsend at left wing back, which will be harsh on Reach. It really will be harsh on Reach because he's done well. Um, but I think. Whereas bef- before, uh, we were all thinking, oh, we really can't afford Connor Townsend to get injured. Whereas if mm-hmm. it did happen, obviously we really don't want him to get injured, but if it did happen, we've got a very good player waiting in the wings in Adam Reach. Yeah, um, fair point. Uh, Clint McCormick, I've just noticed your cover photo, Joe, interviewing Southgate at what looks like the best Scott. When was this and how? And do you consider it your biggest interview? I'm going to see England tomorrow. Have either of you been as fans before? I've never watched England as a fan. I've always wanted to, to go away and do it. Um, but unfortunately, you know, when you're working in this in this job, it's very hard to um, you know get a chance to actually watch a game as a as a fan on uh, other than the odd occasion. But I would I would love to do it. I'd love to do it like a tournament. Um, yeah. So it was a, it was a best Scott. That was. It's probably. It's probably. <clears throat> it's the biggest. It's because uh, it's my biggest interview. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, mm. And it's the biggest interview in the sense that it was genuinely an exclusive interview. Um, <clears throat> you can see it in the sense that we literally are at the best scot. I mean, he's done well to know it's that's the best scot. I mean, that is. You, you've. I mean, it's literally a couple of chairs and a couple of windows. So <laughs> to, to know it's that is very very impressive. Um, but he was Southgate was. 
It was before the the, um, the World Cup in Russia, and basically England were holding briefings for fans who were going mm. a, around the country. Uh, obviously, there was like a lot of sort of what they called it, a bit of concern surrounding the ultras and no go areas and stuff and what to do if you're an England fan and you end up in trouble who you can contact and stuff like that. So basically it was for fans who already had tickets, they were going to the event. Um, they were going to the tournament and then around, I think there was one in Leeds, there was one in London and they needed to do one in the Midlands for Midlands-based fans. So they held it at Bescott um, and yeah, they, they basically fans who went sat for a briefing for like an hour from like England's safety officer for fans Mm. Um, and then as a treat Gareth Southgate and Alex Scott were there um, and fans could basically ask Southgate questions Um, um, it was really really good and then yeah basically I covered Walsall at the time and I gotta say Dan Mole who's the secretary there and the director he said to me we've got Gareth Southgate come in to the to the bank says, do you want to see if I can get you an interview? And I was like, oh my God, yes, that'd be amazing. Um, and he did, he asked the FA and I spoke to the FA, said, can I come? And they were like, yeah, come. And it was, it was literally me and Southgate sat as we sat. And it was, yeah, I had him for about half an hour, 45 minutes and spoke about everything to do with England. And it was absolutely brilliant. Um, he was as nice as nice can be. Um, couldn't have had any, enough time for me. He was just so gracious. And it, one of the things I wrote was, it's probably, I got it, I've genuinely got it on my kitchen wall. We've got it framed. Um, That's nice. Because I am that proud of it. It's like a double page spread we had in the paper. And um, I love reading it because it really, it, I think when you read it and then you know what happened at that tournament, obviously we did really, really well. Mm. It, it sort of goes together. Because um, I was so enthused by Southgate that day. So yeah, it was good. It was brilliant. I can't... Um, yeah, it was a genuinely yeah, proud moment. And he was, honestly, as nice as probably everyone expects him to be. He was an absolute gentleman. He was lovely. Yeah. Um, Top man. Brilliant. Uh, Suraj Chohan, interesting question this one. What do you make of Robson Carney's response on Instagram regarding why he left West Brom and that he wanted... Um, and what he wanted to say. Um, so for those who didn't see it, I think it was a reply on Instagram. Um I may be wrong, but he said, as yeah. much as I would have loved to have stayed, it was a mutual decision. The owners and myself had a different vision for the future. That is the most Robson Carnu quote I think I could envisage. Um, so I don't massively know what to say in response to that, to be honest. Other than, I think everyone knows who listens to this podcast, I'm a massive Harry Robson Carnu fan and I would re-sign him tomorrow. Um, that said... Um, I have asked him for an interview since he's left twice and been rejected both times. Mm. Um, and I, what I do, whether, I mean, look, I've got issues of Albion's ownership. I think everyone who listens to this podcast knows that. Like, I, I don't think they're great, to be honest. Um, Gouch and Lai, and, and I'm, not, I'm not massively impressed by how they do things. They do break even, and, and Albion are sort of self-sufficient and they're not in haven't got an overdraft which is all very very admirable but to me there's a lack of ambition what i will say about what i will say in their defense is they are determined to get to the premier league um so and i think ishmael's appointment 
underpins that. Like he's a very, very got a very good record mm. um, for winning games in the championship on the back of what he did at Lask, which was very, very good. Um, like everyone at Albion is determined to win promotion back to the Premier League at the first attempt. So I don't really see where where their ambitions differ. What well, I don't if I what did Harold Kusankarnu say? That the, the ambitions didn't match or something? Yeah, basically that they it was a mutual decision. Um and that as much as you would have loved to say it was a mutual decision, the owners and myself had a different vision for the future. So it may just be that the owners were like, Look, I mean, you're not gonna play much. But I mean, well, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, look. As far as, if you ask me what Albion's vision for the future is, what the Albion's owners' vision for the future is, I would say it's to win promotion to the Premier League this season. Absolute worst, win it next season. Mm. If that's not Al Robson Carney's vision, then it isn't his vision. But I don't, I don't know what more you could possibly want really than that. Do you think it says much that he's still not signed for another club? I think it's very interesting that he hasn't signed for another club and. It's a question I'd love to ask him. Like I said, I've asked for two interviews. He's politely declined both times. I have to say, he hasn't been. He's just said he just doesn't want to talk at this moment in time. But um, yeah, I, think, I find it strange he hasn't signed for anyone else. I think I. I mean, I've said it a million times, but uh, he was very, very good for us the year we went up. Very, very good. Mm. And last season, all right, he didn't get the minutes he deserved, I don't think, and he didn't play very often. But I would, I think, a lot of clubs in the championship would believe they could get similar a similar level of performance out of him that he produced in the year we went up under Billich. So there must be clubs that want him, must be. Um, yeah. But yeah, straight. Well, it's, it's it's an odd one, isn't it? I sound a bit bitter not getting the interview, but all I'm, I don't mean to be. I'm not trying to be. I'm just trying to say without asking him, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't think in terms of vision, the man's busy flogging his turmeric, mate. Leave him well, on. yeah, he's doing well there because there's a story on news now today saying isn't Bristol Rovers? Yeah, I mean, done a deal. I clicked on that, which really breaks my heart. I was like, he can't sign for Bristol Rovers, surely. <laughs> um, but it was a very clever headline, as always is the case. Um, uh, yeah, he hasn't signed for Bristol Rovers. He's just done a turmeric deal with them. But yeah, good player. Good player for me. Should be playing. Should be playing somewhere. Should be playing somewhere. Uh, the Thursday Frostle, Um If you had a time machine, could re-sign any Albion player today in their prime for the rest of the season, who would it be? Um, I'm just judging from the time that I've really seen Albion, either you know as as a football fan in general or um, covering them. Uh, I mean, I, t- I touched him already. Prime Dwight Gale would be handy. Um, wouldn't mind a Lukaku <laughs> up front. That'd be all right. Imagine Lukaku in the Championship. He'd tear it to pieces, wouldn't well, he? He tears the Premier League to pieces, doesn't he? I'd probably I'd, get about 60 goals. I'll do like, look, if I was going to sign, look, I, I, you have to do it from when you covered them, don't you? Because, like, you have to do it. So if I could sign anyone back, of course it would be. How Robson Well, Al Robson Carney, yeah. It'd be, it'd be Pereira. But as a left field, as, as like a actual realistic one. Well, it's only semi-realistic. I'll bring the anchor back. I'm by Dianya. Yeah. He's got to score goals. He's got to score goals. If he came to Albion again, he's got to score goals. 
He can't be that unlucky again. He would. He, he he would. He'd be interesting. I'd love to see him in. He'd tear up the championship, championship, I reckon. I mean, he wouldn't tear up to the levels of Kaku would, but he's no, all right. Not. But yeah, he wouldn't tear up. Like, but realistically, he would tear up the championship. I think. Um, I think he would be. I think he'd be all right. I do. Three goals from eleven appearances so far this season. Has he? Yeah. For Galatasaray. Yeah. So he's back in their team, is he? Um. Yeah, by the but yeah, by the looks of it. It's interesting because he always plays for them when he is there, but he always leaves on loan. It's weird, right? So he's he's played eight Super League fixtures, uh, obviously Turkish league. Uh, played eighty minutes and ninety minutes, then played forty-five, then was benched, dropped completely, and <laughs> and now he's back in the side. He got thirty-two minutes in a three-nil loss to Kayseri Spor, then got forty-five minutes, and then played one minute, one minute, and he got an assist. Against Rizespor. He scored in the Champions League this season. And by the younger. Against PSV. Yeah. I mean... He played against St. Johnston. He's had a... He's a, he's a type of player that quiz questions are asked about. Yeah, I'd have him back. I'd have him back. I'd bring him in. What, what, what sort of age is he on? Oh, he'd be on a lot. Is he less than DK? Uh, I honestly don't know. I'm not quite sure about how MLS wages work, really. He's on a Premier League wage. Yeah. Like, without a doubt about that, he's definitely on a Premier League. Whereas DK was in the Championship last season, so maybe he isn't. Can't imagine Bardsley paying him an absolute whack. No. Um, I, I, there's something about him. There's something about Diagna. I mean, it might just be that he would round the keeper and miss from four yards. It might be that. That's what it was. That, and you, every week you were holding your head in your hands and going, how's he miss? How's he miss? But, I mean, he had something, didn't he? Yeah, it'd be, I think he'd be like a Mitrovic style who would who would boss the championship and then he gets into the Prem and it, it never seems to quite work. He's got cult hero written all over him and by the anger. Yeah, like everyone wants him to do well. Everyone. <laughs> and he'll always be good for a story. I just don't. I don't know what it is. And you know, like, he's, you know he's going to miss more than he scores. Like, you know he is. And you know he's going to miss some absolute sitters. But you love it about him. But you're gonna, you also know he's going to score against Chelsea, like he did. <laughs> yeah, interesting player. I'd have him back. Uh, okay, um, uh, a couple more, because we're actually an hour. This is actually a pretty long podcast. Ooh, um, Dan WBA, will we have money to use in January, or will it be to spend... Um, would we need to sell first? So I've always said my understanding is that there is money. Well, you got to remember that with this, if you read the story I did ages ago about where's the money gone, when um talked about not spending any money in, in the summer. Where's the Pereira money? Um, where is it? Where is it? It's coming in three installments of four million quid. That's, that's where it is. Um, it, it, parachute payments and all this that and the other are paid in instalments so you don't I think Albion you get I think it's like I'd have to read the story again but it's basically like it's not 50-50 maybe it's like 60-40 or something mm. you get so like parachute money will continue coming in throughout the course of the season I I think that'd be a bit there'll be some there'll be there'll be Ishmael will have the ability to bring in a player or two in January I believe I believe that mm. um and I believe, yeah, if if they're really pushing for promotion, really pushing for automatic promotion, 
I think Albion will do what they can to hopefully give him that little extra bit he needs to get him over the line. Yeah. I think there'll be activity, personally. We will wait and see. Um, I'm going to ask this one, and I know could you we sell, but the but the question was, could you sell? Could they sell? Well, like, maybe they could. I mean, maybe Johnson. Maybe enough will come in for Johnson. That the, the big thing with Johnson is, I think he will. I think he logic in my head. What we talked about right at the start of the podcast. If I was him, what I would do logically is hold out until the summer. But there mm. could there is a chance that that in January clubs are going to say they're going to know that there's going to be so many clubs in for him. So that the way to jump a march on them is to go for Johnson in January. There's probably yeah. not going to be many teams that are willing to pay five, six million for Sam Johnson in January. So if you come up with a six million pound offer, this was rejected obviously by Albion in the summer, suddenly that offer might be a little more appealing. Yeah. And if it's a, if it's a move that Johnston really wants, then potentially he could leave, I think. But Albion have to weigh up. Do they really want to lose Sam Johnston when they're in the like thick of a promotion race? I wouldn't want to lose him. It's great to have six million in the bank. It's better to have ninety million for going up. So, yeah. But if they if they did sell, obviously they would have more money to spend. Mm. But we'll have to see how that goes. I really don't know what the right thing to do is there or what will happen. Yeah, I've got to ask this. And I know you said you don't know. Any update on Moet, says Martin Atkinson, along with many others? So I asked today, I'm told that they're still waiting to discover the extent of the injury. Um, I've asked a couple of times during the international break. No one wants to know more than me, simply because I'm struggling for stories. Um, so it'd be great to get an update on Moet. Um, but look, Ishmael, we think, is holding this press conference for Blues on Thursday. We'll hopefully get an answer before then. But if not... It's probably going to be Thursday when we find out the latest. Fair enough. Right. Um, let's let's talk Blues because there's a derby coming up. Um, time to rekindle it after a year off, Joe. Uh, should be a bit spicy. Yeah, it's going to... I mean, it's the only derby of the season, really, isn't it? Um, Stoke so doesn't count. Stoke doesn't... I don't feel like it's a derby. It's like... The way it was described to me was Stoke as an intense rivalry, um, which I think is a good um, way of putting it, whereas Blues is a derby, in my opinion. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's going to... Interesting game, inter- as, as they all are, aren't they? I mean, they're all in, they are in dreadful form. Dreadful form. Yeah. Um, they've lost... They're, they're not doing well at the moment. They've lost four of the last five. The one they didn't lose was a draw with Preston, a goalless draw. Got battered by Nottingham Forest at home last time out. Um, I really like Lee Bowyer as a manager. Obviously, like I worked covered Walsall for a number of years in League One, and sort of Bowyer was with Charlton in the Championship. He was he was he was he's actually number two at Charlton for a long for a long while, and Carl Robinson as well. And I like him because he never actually wanted to be a football manager. He sort of he retired, didn't he? he? Went off to this fishing thing. He was, I think, he was quite happy. He got sort of a, a route back into the game, but I don't think this was ever his plan, really. But he's mm. he's he's gone into it. He's he's very good at it. He's 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 got a bug for it, and he, he's carried on. Um, I really like him. I really rate him. I think he's got a lot of potential. What he is is very, very, very streaky. 
He's a very streaky manager. Mm. Um, it's not just the fact, it's not just, like you start, look at the start of the season, Blues were flying, they were doing really, really well. Last five games, they haven't been. You look at Lee Bowyer's career, his results have always been like that. He has he has big highs and big lows. Um, consistently inconsistent. Consistently. I don't think there's a lot to change with Birmingham's performances. I, don't, I think they've been pretty consistent in terms of their displays. Um, but the results were going for them at one stage and not going for them now. It'll probably swing again. And they'll go for them again, and they'll probably. But it does seem to be the sort of way things tend to pan out for Bowyer. Um, mm. But like I said, I do like him. I think he's tactically flexible. Um, he's happy to mix things up. He changes system. Uh, he's changed system multiple times throughout his career. Look, he's doing what what every championship manager is doing at the minute, which is playing three at the back, some sort of variant of three four three four three, which. Is his three four one two, mm. um, but I mean, it literally feels like everyone is playing that system at the minute. Bar, That's bar, my FIFA yeah. formation, mate. Three four one two. Yeah, it's pretty much my football manager one as well. But I do switch between a back three and a back four. Um, but yeah, every I mean, literally the entire championship is playing three at the back now. It's, it feels like. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, bang out of form. There's no doubt about it. They really are struggling. They got some good players though. Um, uh, in my opinion, and the lad Chong on loan from Man United, he's the one that's in the number ten role. He's absolutely he's a good player. He's a good player. Um, I'm a massive, massive fan of Ryan Woods. Um, covered him, watched him play every week when I covered Shrewsbury. Um, just always has time on the ball. He's a wonderful footballer, I think. Um, and then there's the look, Jukovic and Hogan up front. They're a handful, especially Jukovic in the air. Then there's the Troy Deeney, <clears throat> throw in the Troy Deeney factor, which is really, really interesting. So I was told over this summer Deeney was on the list. He was under consideration this summer um, for Albion. That's what I, I, some contact told me that. I don't think that was ever really close now in hindsight, but Deeney did say last week, I think, that he was twice close to joining Albion. Mm. Um, twice close. Once, um, quite, a, quite a couple of years ago, <clears throat> when they're in the Premier League. Um, <clears throat> and then, of course, the one we all know about was under Slavon Bilic. I knew, I think I said before on a podcast, I knew he came to the training ground. Mm. Um, I knew he'd actually had a tour um, of the training ground and was basically prepped aside. And I, I, my understanding was he was he was always told, you are back up to Carlin Grant if we do not get him. Yeah. But he was given a tour of a training ground ready just so if Albion weren't able to do a deal for Grant, they could press the green button and Deeney would be done very, very quickly. From Deeney's comments, it seemed like that wasn't quite the case. Um, I, mean, I think he's saving face a little bit. Well, no, to... no football would really admit that, would they? Well, maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. It's hard to know. I mean, he said that basically shook Slavin's hand, didn't he? And he, was, he thought it was done and he was waiting... Um, so yeah, I mean that's that was my understanding of the situation. Anyway, that Dini was new and was sort of aware that Albion were going to move from if they didn't get Grant. Obviously, they did get Grant. That move never materialised. But obviously, he scored against Albion before. He's got this sort of weird connection with Albion in the sense that he has been linked with the club a hundred times. It feels like. Um, but he has been starting on the bench, I think. But maybe that maybe he will come into the team because they probably need to change something. To try mm. and sort of stem the tide and start turning results around. It's a dangerous game, isn't it? Because 
Albion, there's no, I've got no doubt about it. Albion have got a better team. They've got probably 11 better players. I mean, certainly nine or 10 better players. Yeah, like anyone from that Stein, that Blue Stein 11, do they walk into the Albion team? Um, I can't think of one that I'm, I'd be absolutely desperate to have. Chong would be interesting. Colin, the right wing back's decent. I like I really like Ryan Woods, but I don't think he'd play this. I don't think he'd be an Ishmael central midfielder. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what do you have to look of it? It's a striker. Well, yeah, I mean that is, he would be. He'd be. In, I probably would. <laughs> I'm, th- I'm uh, thinking about it. Um, but they're going to turn their form around at some point. Derby, a derby seems the time to do it, really, doesn't it? So. Mm. It's going to be a tough game, but for me, on paper, Albion should have comfortably enough to win it. Should and do. also, Albion will want to react from the Stoke game, which is, I think that's a positive, personally. I think they'll be determined to bounce back from that. And they'll be fresh. And that's a big thing for Albion. Yeah. Um, how would you How would you line up? Oh, the angel line-up question. Yeah. That's how, yeah. This, how I finish every podcast. You should see it coming every time. Um, well, obviously... I'd have Johnson in goal. Um, yeah, so I'll go. i go Johnson in goal, Clark, Bartley, Ajay, Furlong, Townsend. We think, we think, no, it's out. So, Malumbi, Livermore. Grant on the left. Yeah. Uh, Give me Callum. Robinson up top. Callum, uh, I don't know if it's a go Robinson that. Yeah, go on then. I mean, they got a centre back, Harley Dean. He's not Rainbow Bar, is he? I mean, I don't think their centre backs are brilliant. Um. Yeah, go on then. Let's go. Dean Garner on the right for me. I'll go Phillips on the right. Just I think for... if you're seeing Phillips, Phillips will be played central. Drink. I think. At least so. him. Uh, I mean, I love Grady. I just like Grady on the left. Um, yeah. I'll Fair. go. I'll go Phillips Robinson. Phillips Phillips because he gives you a bit more physicality. I like if if Grady. Yeah, I don't know. We say it every week. It doesn't matter, does it? Who plays in that front three, really? Nah. Um. But yeah. I'll go with that. We'll see. We'll see how they go. We only have to wait till Friday. Games on Friday night. Um, missed it, I have. Oh, it's international break's been... I detest the international break. Well, I love England games, but... Like, Andorra. I mean, come on. Like, I mean, you can't get excited about that, can you, really? No, on a 4G pitch. and You just don't learn anything from it, I don't think. I, just don't I do... I, I do think at the end of the day, like they deserve their place in the qualifiers, don't they? Oh yeah, I'm not like I'm not I'm not God, yeah, I'm not saying they shouldn't play play it. I'm just saying that because there's some people who think teams like Andorra shouldn't even be in qualifying, and I'm like, don't you have to earn your way into qualifying? I'm still on a bit of a. I just still can't believe we got to the final of a major tournament and didn't win it. I'm still on a downer. Yeah. Um, but it's all right. Italy lost. I know. Yeah. Typical, their run finally come to an end, but it wasn't against us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, unless you've got anything else to add, mate, I'll wrap us up. No, all good, mate. All good. I can't believe it. An hour and 15 minutes. One of our longer 
seasons providing this one? It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Crazy. Who'd have thought it when we were talking about two players playing international football? I know. I thought we were in for a long hour at that point. <laughs> <laughs> we made it through, mate. We made it through, as did everyone listening. <laughs> Um, thanks very much for tuning in as always if you could rate or review on your preferred podcasting provider it'll be massively appreciated and likewise if you could pass this on to an Albion fan who maybe doesn't listen they might enjoy it too but from me and from Joe a fond farewell for now <laughs>